turn to 1 Kings chapter number 18. Uh, we're going to be looking at some things that the Lord did uh, for Elijah as he uh, served the Lord and uh, did some wonderful things for the Lord in the Lord's name and allowed the uh, nation of Israel to see the power of God. And then uh, he did a strange thing. Uh, he got depressed. He got discouraged. And uh, the Lord ministered to him. And we're going to look at that and, uh, I guess, apply it to our own lives as we uh, look to the future and look to the next few weeks and months and time that uh, we're going to be able to minister to uh, Joe and Katie. And, uh, in fact, we can apply this to our ministering to many of our fellow believers. And uh, we're going to be looking at our attitude real shortly and also to our actions. And there are really some very practical things that come out of this passage of Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19 that will uh, guide us and direct us and help us to uh, reach out, to be an encouragement and a help during this time of uh, recuperation as we uh, minister to um, the Delp family. And, uh, uh, you know, the Bible wants us to have the right kind of an attitude, and uh, the story of Elijah will teach us uh, the value of offering encouragement uh, in tangible ways that uh, the Lord can use uh, for our serve for His servants uh, to encourage them and to lift them up when they are down. And uh, our desire is, I believe, each one of us have this desire: uh, What can I do? What can I do to help? And uh, the Lord wants us to have the right attitude towards each other. And uh, we can apply that in our ministry as we minister one to another. And I believe 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 16 and Galatians chapter 5 have some passages, have some verses in them that help us to uh, see the right attitude and, and um, examine our own hearts that we would have the right attitude toward one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God that gives us direction. Help us, Lord, to uh, as we examine the scriptures, uh, to uh, draw some things uh, from it that would uh, we can apply to our lives that uh, can be used to be an encouragement one to another. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to uh, fellowship around your word. Thank you for each one that's here tonight. And Lord, we do pray for our pastor and Judson and the, and the Delps as they come back from Philadelphia that you'd keep them safe. And uh, we thank you, Father, for uh, the opportunities you give us as a church family to minister one to another. We pray that you bless our time this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15, it says, I beseech you, brethren, uh, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Uh, this uh, household of Stephanus was uh, some folks that had gotten saved. Uh, they were some of the first believers in this area of Achaia, and uh, they have uh, addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And uh, the idea is that they, uh, their whole goal in life is to be a help, to minister to the saints, to other believers, that their life would be um, a, a beacon of the Lord's love, uh, that they would uh, show 
in their practical application of their salvation. You know that the Bible uh, reminds us that uh, we have great consolation in Christ, great encouragement in Christ, that he has uh, made us new creatures in Christ and uh, we have a new way of living. And uh, today, rather than uh, living for ourselves, uh, we need to be like the, uh, the believers of, of the household of Stephanus, and that is that we would be del- addicted to the ministry of the saints. And uh, what did they do? What was the addiction? Uh, I believe that they were addicted uh, to providing for the needs of fellow believers, uh, to provide for in hospitality, uh, to support the ministry, uh, to generally be a help and encouragement to those who are Christians. And uh, the Bible wants us to uh, love one another, that in fact, uh, the Bible says that they will know that you're Christians by your love and how you treat each other, how you uh, minister one to another. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 reminds us of another um, attitude that we should have, that as we have opportunity to demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, These fruits are uh, the fruit of the Spirit, that as we are submitted to the Lord, and I believe as we are addicted to the ministry of the saints, this will come out in our lifestyle. And uh, Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Uh, That's verse 22. And then 23 continues the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, But when you think of these uh, particular words, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Uh, as you're trusting the Lord to provide for your needs, as you have opportunity to minister to others and uh, be the kind of Christian that is willing to um, uh, uh, be gentle, uh, to be uh, long-suffering. The idea of long-suffering is to have the kind of patience that, you know, that guy that aggravates you to death and uh, uh, you, you see him coming and you kind of go to the other side of the street because you don't want to talk to him because he aggravates you to death. Well, uh, if you're going to f- demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, you're go- not going to avoid him. You're going to try to encourage him. You're going to be uh, patient with him and demonstrate the love of Christ and uh, be willing to listen to that one uh, because uh, he needs your help. And so here in uh, the verse 22 gives us uh, these uh, different uh, fruit of the Spirit. And verse 23 uh, has two more fruits of the fruit of the Spirit, two more, I guess, characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, and that is meekness, temperance, and uh, this last statement is a, a, a wonderful statement that will help us to be addicted to the saints, that uh, it says, uh, not only do we demonstrate love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, but we also demonstrate meekness and temperance, and uh, it says, against such there is no law. In other words, you can be as kind as you want to be. You can be as long-suffering as you can, can possibly be. Uh, you can be as loving as you... There is no law against it. Uh, there's nothing to stop you. 
there's no reason why you can't experience God's joy as you minister to other believers. And uh, that attitude is the attitude of one that's filled with the Spirit, one that uh, is not filled with themselves. You know, when we talk about being filled with the Spirit or filled uh, with the flesh or the carnal mind is enmity against God, uh, the idea is that a carnal mind, a fleshly mind, is one that doesn't uh, demonstrate this love, this, that wants self-love. Uh, it's one that doesn't have patience with others, that's aggravated uh, quite often. Uh, I had a, a bad experience uh, this last week, and uh, I did not demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. I had to go back and apologize uh, when my car got fixed by the uh, uh, Volkswagen technicians. You know, they charge an arm and a leg. And uh, uh, I was a little upset over what was going on. And uh, uh, afterwards, uh, the Lord convicted me, and I went back. I got him a dozen donuts and went back and apologized and said, you need to forgive me for my behavior uh, the other day. And so uh, uh, this is something that uh, our, our heart desires to do, and uh, sometimes we fall very short, and uh, the Lord is willing to forgive us. And, and, and because of that, uh, we can demonstrate these things to those around us. There's no law uh, that's stopping us. Uh, there's no uh, limit, there's no bounds is the idea that, hey, you can show uh, all the love, all the joy, all the peace, all the long-suffering, all the patience, all the meekness uh, that you can muster. And uh, uh, a lot of times that can be demonstrated toward unbelievers, but also as uh, Stephanus's household demonstrates, uh, you need to really work on demonstrating it toward those that are closest to you in your church family and in your home. And so here, as we think of our attitude, you know, we see someone that's having a difficult time and we say, hey, what, what do I do? What, what, I want to help, but I don't know what to do. Uh, and it goes on when we look at the Bible, and the Bible gives us a lot of good information in helping us in this area. And the story of Elijah is just one example of uh, how God uses uh, the, the believers' lives that uh, are recorded in the Word of God to instruct us in our lives today. And so if you'll look with me in uh, 1 Kings chapter number 18, as we look at the story of Elijah, we are just, uh, we're going to look at what our actions should be. Uh, we looked at what our attitude should be, and uh, if our attitude is right, then our actions will be right, and will desire to do the right thing. And so here, uh, the story of Elijah teaches us just how to be a help to a hurting Christian. Uh, the account of Elijah's great victory and great depression shows us how God ministered to Elijah and gives us insight into how we can minister in three practical ways as we um, try to uh, be a blessing to those around us as individual believers and as a church family. So in 1 Kings chapter number 18, uh, this is the uh, story of, of um, Elijah challenging the prophets of Baal. And uh, the nation of Israel had turned from God and they were worshiping Baal. And uh, e Elijah uh, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 17, uh, he is going to... Uh, condemn Ahab and challenge the prophets of Baal 
at Mount Carmel. And so here we have uh, in verse number 17, it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he, that is Elijah, answered Ahab, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and thou hast followed Balaam. And uh, so here is uh, uh, Elijah's accusation against Ahab. Uh, that he has led the nation away from God uh, to worshiping idols, to worshiping Balaam. And so uh, uh, Elijah is going to uh, challenge the uh, nation and challenge the, the priests of Baal. Uh, he challenges the nation in verse number 21. Uh, and Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. They, they would not make a decision. They would not uh, reveal their heart because uh, they were following Baal. They were not going to say it out loud. But uh, here Elijah was, was challenging the people to go and serve the living God, not the idol Baal. And then uh, it says that Elijah said unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450. Let them, therefore... Uh, give us two bullocks, and he describes uh, the sacrifice that they're about to give. Uh, he uh, challenges the, uh, the uh, prophets of Baal uh, to uh, put an altar up, put their animal on, this, on the altar, and uh, call on their God. And uh, verse number 24, he says, this is uh, Elijah, uh, and call ye on the name of, the, of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first for your many, and call in the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So there's 450 prophets of Baal and one prophet of God. And he goes on, and he took, they took the bullock that was given them, uh, they dressed it and, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was not no voice, nor any answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon when Elijah mocked them and said, Cry out, for he's a God, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he's pursuing, or, or he's on a journey, or... Uh, perhaps uh, peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. So he's really mocking them, saying, hey, maybe your God is taking a nap. Uh, he doesn't hear you. Uh, and they cried aloud and cut themselves. And uh, uh, after their manner with knives and lancets, and they, until their blood gushed upon, upon them. Uh, and it came to pass that uh, the, their God did not answer them. And uh, when uh, Elijah put up his altar... Uh, you know that uh, he uh, had them put pour water on the altar uh, three times. He poured it over the sacrifice and it filled the trench that was around the sacrifice just to prove uh, that his God could take care of uh, that sacrifice. He would, he, he would burn up the sacrifice and the water. And uh, so here in verse number 37, Elijah uh, says he's, he's going to pray to the Lord. Uh, he says, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart had that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell 
and consumed the burnt sacrifice in the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And so then Elijah took and, dis- and destroyed all the prophets. And uh, uh, in chapter 19, uh, you would think that he would be rejoicing, but uh, word gets to him that uh, uh, Jezebel is, uh, threatened his life. And uh, whether he was afraid of Jezebel or what, but he ran off. And uh, in, in verse number four of chapter 19, uh, it gives us an insight into uh, uh, what kind of condition Elijah was in. You would think he'd be rejoicing. Uh, you think that uh, he would be filled with uh, joy and knowledge that God had used him in a great way. In fact, at the end of the chapter number 19, uh, God, he, he had prayed, Elijah had prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. And after this, uh, the, the uh, prophets of Baal were destroyed, uh, he sat down and prayed and the Lord allowed it to rain. Uh, you would think he would say, hey man, the Lord is using me in a great way and, and everything is going great. And then Jezebel uh, steps up and threatens his life. And here is what uh, verse number four says of his condition after those great victories and how the Lord had used him in many different ways, even before this. In verse number four, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father's. And so here is um, Elijah in depression, uh, so much so uh, he's so discouraged, he says, Lord, just take my life. Uh, he was willing to, uh, to die, uh, maybe commit suicide. I mean, he was really down. And uh, uh, at, at this time of discouragement, uh, the Lord steps in. And uh, it tells us about uh, some things that the Lord does for him. And uh, verse number five, uh, Elijah, he lays down and slept under a juniper tree. Behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat. So he lays down, goes to sleep. Uh, the angel wakes him up, and he has some food for him. Uh, and he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at the head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the Mount of God. And so here, as uh, we see the condition of uh, Elijah, uh, his depressed condition, uh, he goes to sleep and uh, the angel of the Lord uh, wakes him up and feeds him. Uh, wakes him up three times and feeds him. And uh, uh, basically the, the uh, uh, actions that we can mimic uh, that the Lord is showing us that he did for Elijah, uh, it's um, uh, interesting how that the Lord can uh, use us uh, to help a hurting Christian. Uh, this account of Elijah's great victory and great depression uh, shows us how God ministered to Elijah and gives us some insight into how we can minister to other believers in uh, three practical ways. The first one uh, that uh, we just read about is that he, he meets basic needs. Uh, the first thing that uh, you can do for a, a hurting Christian is m- 
meet their basic needs. James chapter 5, verse 17 talks about Elijah. Uh, he says about him that he was a man subject to like passions as we are. Uh, he was a man. Uh, he did great things for God, but he was a mere man. And uh, he had emotions and he had uh, wrong thoughts at times that uh, he was caused him to be depressed. And he had human frailties like we do. Uh, but he was used by God in a great way, but still... He's like, like us, and he needs God's encouragement to continue to serve. And uh, so uh, the Lord is going to meet his basic needs from the passage. Uh, we learn the importance of providing basic needs for those that are suffering around us. Uh, sometimes we're not sure how to help someone. Uh, it's maybe a difficult time. Uh, during these difficult times, normal sleeping and eating patterns are, are messed up. Uh, when they're... Uh, uh, discouraged and uh, worrying uh, rather than giving it to the Lord and uh, uh, having a great battle in their mind about uh, what the Lord is doing in their life. And they, their eating and their sleeping patterns are messed up. Uh, they've been disrupted. And uh, how can we help? By providing basic things. Uh, first of all, by providing them uh, with a meal. Uh, you can take them out to, to lunch, out to dinner sometime. Uh, I know that uh, there are a few ladies in the church that... Uh, are going to provide some meals for uh, the Delps for the few, for first few days in a week or so that they're here. And uh, if you are interested in helping, see, see Grace or my wife, Pat, and uh, they'll be glad to uh, give you some instruction on what they may need and uh, uh, be able to provide the basic needs, uh, food for uh, the, the Delps. And uh, uh, we can do that, apply that to our relationships with other Christians that uh, have uh, great disruptions in their life, and uh, we could provide basic needs. That is something that is a, uh, through this simple uh, gesture, you can be a great blessing. Uh, I know that uh, when we were in the military years ago, and uh, I'm sorry I keep referring to the military, uh, but we've had some interesting experiences back in the in the good old days, and. Uh, uh, we would have um, a lot of low-ranking uh, enlisted men in our, in our uh, congregation, especially in, in Germany, and uh, they didn't have a lot of money. And they had their families over there, and, and uh, in the military, you, you have this thing called command-sponsored. In other words, the military will send for your family. The military will help you with your rent. Uh, the military will help you in a number of ways. But uh, these people were low enough rank, and they weren't in the military long enough that uh, they had, didn't have much money and they brought their families over uh, on their own expense and uh, they had it pretty tough. And uh, uh, some of the things that uh, we would do as a church family every once in a while, uh, somebody would buy a bunch of groceries and <laughs> while they were in the church service, somebody would uh, keep an eye on them and they would put the bags of groceries in their car. And uh, they'd come out of the car and they'd be rejoicing over the food that was in their car. And uh, such a little simple thing uh, that was a great encouragement and a great blessing to fellow believers. And so uh, that, that is the first thing that uh, we can learn from this passage. Uh, God is using the angels. In fact, God is providing for Elijah's basic needs, allowing him to sleep. And then he's waking up and eating basic things. Very simple. Uh, the second thing that God does for Elijah is that he um, comforts him with his gentleness. Uh, look with me in uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse, starting in verse number 9. Uh, here is 
He has uh, eaten the food. He's gotten up, and now he's traveled for 40 days, and uh, uh, he's, he's uh, gone to Horeb, the Mount of God, and it came thither unto, uh, into a cave. Uh, he came thither into a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, God said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets. I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Return unto thy way to the, re, to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel the king of Syria. And he goes on and tells him that there are other prophets that are there, that are there to help him. And so uh, what God has done here in showing him uh, the earthquake and the great wind and the uh, mighty things, the earthquake and all, but the small, still voice is what comforted Elijah. Uh, that is what God was using in his, uh, um, uh, within his power was the uh, small, still voice uh, that was to comfort Elijah, knowing that God was there. He was close to him. Although he's all-powerful, he revealed himself in a small, still voice. Gentle comfort was needed for Elijah. Gentle comfort is needed for the hurting Christian. The prophet didn't need to experience the power or the strength of God, but a gentle reminder that I'm with you. I've been with you, and I'll be with you. Focusing on God's gentle watch, care, and comfort. Psalm 46, God is our, our refuge, a very present help in trouble. Uh, so here... Uh, this second thing that we can do, not only provide for basic needs, but uh, we uh, can provide for the hurting Christian for nurture and encourage them with God's gentleness. God's gentleness reflected in our actions builds and focuses attention off themselves and back to the great God we serve, giving comfort. And we do this by prayerful listening, uh, not a probing interrogation, uh, Prayerful listening as the, the one that uh, is hurting reveals how they feel. Uh, rather than probing, you're listening. Uh, let the hurting one uh, find a refuge in your willingness to be a friend, in your willingness to listen uh, to their feelings and not be peppering them with questions as they share their feelings with you. Make what they have shared a matter of personal prayer and uh, comfort them in that way as God has comforted Elijah in that small, still voice. Remember, the scripture tells us that prayer is how God will help uh, in any given situation. So as uh, uh, the Christian reveals their feelings, uh, make that a matter of personal prayer. As you lift them up before the Lord, James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer 
of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, it's something that uh, is of great benefit. And it's interesting that uh, that is uh, uh, Ephesians 5.16 and verse 17 talks about Elijah, that uh, Elijah was a man uh, subject to like passions as we are, and he, he earnestly prayed. And so as uh, the Lord answered Elijah's prayer, the Lord will answer your prayers. And so uh, be a comfort. Uh, remind them of the gentle comfort of the Lord. Provide their basic needs. And then the third thing, uh, the final thing that we can learn from this passage of Elijah's life is that um, uh, we can restore hope uh, with a new perspective that God will still use you. And uh, that's reflected in, uh, uh, in 1 Kings uh, 19, verses 19 to 21, as Elijah is going to be um, reminded that uh, the Lord is going to use him, continue to use him in a great way. So here, let's read that passage real quick. In verse number 19, it says, So he departed thence and found Elisha, uh, the son. Let's uh, go back up and uh, uh, get the um, uh, verse number 18. Yes, I have left me 7,000 in Israel. Uh, this is where uh, God is reminding Elijah that, hey, he's not the only prophet. He's got a lot of other prophets that God can use. And he says that I've left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shapath, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And with the 12th, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And so here God is saying to uh, Elijah uh, that uh, uh, you need to have, he needs to, he's restoring Elijah's hope in the future. He's restoring Elijah's hope in what God can do, continue to use Elijah. Uh, in this case, Elijah passes his mantle to Elisha and uh, he trains Elisha. Elisha becomes his servant basically for a while. And uh, so here, uh, the Lord is uh, giving Elijah a new perspective uh, that the Lord is going to continue to use him. And uh, when he uh, cried out to the Lord, Elijah cried out to the Lord, he was feeling alone and threatened. Uh, God gave him this new perspective reminding him uh, that uh, he was not alone. Uh, there were others that were there to help him and that he was still going to be used by God. Uh, often when a person is hurting, he or she can lose perspective and feel abandoned and hopeless. Uh, as believers, in those moments, it's hard to hear uh, the voice of God reminding of his promises, his hope and his faithfulness, uh, his healing and future strength. But you and me can be people uh, that hear his voice and remind that hurting one. As you interact with the hurting and demonstrate your care uh, by being there to provide for their physical needs, listening to them, then gently restore their perspective, letting them know that the Lord will still provide hope and restoration. Uh, your demonstration of care and compassion will put them on the road to recovery. The Lord wants us to minister uh, in a gentle way. Uh, remember that you're not the healer, but God is the healer as you bring the Lord into the situation. The story of Elijah's encouragement is a testament uh, that despite painful struggles, God heals his people, enabling them to move forward uh, with life and eventually become healthy again. So as a church family, no matter what people are going through, uh, no matter 
uh, what time uh, it is happening to them, we can be there. And uh, with time and persistence on our part, we can play a significant role in fellow believers' physical and spiritual healing. Uh, the Lord wants us to have the attitude that uh, uh, I mentioned at the very beginning of my message that is one that uh, we would be as the house of Stephanus, that we would be addicted to the ministry of the saints. And as we do that, the Lord will encourage the saints. The Lord will encourage you and God can use us in a great way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, the opportunity, Lord, that you've given us to be ministers one to another, that you would help us, Father, to uh, be an encouragement, uh, not only to uh, the Delp family, but, Lord, to one another, Father. Help us to uh, remind one another of your love and uh, have, uh, help us to realize how um, blessed we are to have a heavenly Father that loves us and cares about us, provides our physical needs and our spiritual needs, and and uh, can use us, Lord, in a great way. Help us to realize that and to step out by faith as you uh, give us the opportunity to minister to those around us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.